We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pacer Nation, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host for tonight's show, Alex Golden, and joining me every Wednesday is the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Alex, I'm, I'm feeling good, but I'm getting antsy. All-Star Weekend has settled down, and I'm waiting for these Pacers to pick back up. So, with the Pacers not playing for a few more days, uh, I think we got a pretty fun episode for the listeners today. Absolutely. So, on today's show, we're going to recap the All-Star Weekend uh, specifically, uh, Miles Turner commentating on the Rising Stars Challenge game. And we're going to talk a little bit about some bonuses Saturday and Sunday night performances. But in addition to that, Fachi, we're going to do a little mid-season award ceremony. Yes, we are. Uh, so I think it's just something different today. And uh, we got some pretty fun awards for you, uh, listeners. So I'd love to hear your, your thoughts after the episode. But uh, Alex, let's, let's talk about this past weekend. What kind of stuck out to you most? Okay, so first things first, I'm not going to lie, Fachi, as I'm sitting here watching the skills challenge, I am actually like getting nervous when it's coming down to the wire with Middleton and Sabonis and Tatum and Sabonis and Bam Adebayo and Sabonis. And every time he advanced to that next round, I'm fist pumping, I'm high-fiving my wife, I'm getting into it, and I'm thinking, why am I this excited uh, about a skills challenge? But 
To be honest with you, it was just fun. I, I enjoyed the whole weekend, actually. I thought all of the things were fun. All the events were fun. Uh, besides the celebrity game, I could care less. I didn't even turn that on. But the All-Star game was fun. I thought the three-point contest was fun, hitting a game winner, Buddy Heald. I thought the slam dunk contest was uh, good until Dwayne Wade rigged it at the end. And, and I thought Miles Turner did a great job on the Rising Stars Challenge commentary. So that, that's a lot of me just being excited about being an NBA fan. But that's just kind of how I felt. How about you? No, I, I thought the same. I thought this was just a fun weekend because it, it lacked the star players in the dunk contest. I know you are a huge Aaron Gordon fan, but yes, to, to the rest of the NBA, you know, he's still a, a good player, but not quite an all-star. And oh, then, I agree about yeah, that. Yeah. And then the skills challenge, like you mentioned before, it was just some good, old-fashioned, wholesome fun. Yeah. All right. And ironically, it came down to Sabonis and Bam Adebayo, <sighs> just two players that that got swept into the, the Pacer Miami Heat Twitter war between setting the pace <laughs> and a few others. So it was interesting to see Hashtag it come down Chuck. to that. <laughs> exactly. Good old Chuck. Yeah. But, you know, Gross. it would have been great if Sabonis could have walked away with the hardware. But in the end, I thought he still represented the Pacers pretty well, and it came down to the wire. Yeah, it was fun, man. I mean, it was uh, it was cool to see him beat the reigning champion, Jason Tatum. He beat Chris mm-hmm. Middleton. And one thing that was interesting is Bam Adebayo said, I actually felt pretty good because when, when we did the warm-ups for this event, uh, I was on the left side when I did the warm-ups. So uh, he just felt natural doing it. So, you know, maybe advantage was a little bit to Bam. And it was funny to see those guys who don't shoot the three ball Go out there and outshoot the guys they were going up against. I think Bam went against Spencer Dinwiddie, and I'm trying to think who else he went up against. Maybe it was uh, it was another big, I think, in the second round. Do you know who it was? Mm, Can't think of no, it. No, <laughs> no, no. Right anyway, give me a whoever second. he went up against, it was it was a pretty. I'm trying to think. It's driving me crazy now because it was uh, Middleton was not a big. I don't think no Middleton was a big because he ended up beating a guard. I just can't think who the fourth big was because all the bigs won, and I was surprised by that. But anyway, there's no reason to go that deep into it. But it was it was just fun overall, and seeing those guys knock down threes like that was just impressive. And the pass, I mean, I think they made the pass the first time every time as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just seeing Sabonis be able to drill that three before Tatum did was awesome because it just shows we know Sabonis is working on that three ball. Oh, we know. Oh, let's not get that serious about it. No, 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 we're not. But I, I'm he's a twenty percent shooter. We're not, okay, we're not. We're not seeing him hit it in the games, but on a wide open look like that, it just shows you know he's still working. And Siakam was uh, was in the the contest. Ah, so Siakam, that's who it was. Exactly. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for looking that up because that was going to drive me crazy. I'm I, sorry, I, Pascal. Same thing. It would drive me nuts also. So right. we had to take care of business. Well, and I think part of the thing was I just – it was so fun to root for Sabonis because he was so happy to be there. And when he hit his three before Middleton, kind of like knockout, you know, he just gave that yeah. big old fist pump. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, hard not to root for a guy that's having this much fun. But in the All-Star game, you know, he didn't get a lot of minutes. Didn't get hardly uh, any touches. I think he had one or two field goal attempts, if I'm correct. He was uh, o, I think he was 0 for 2. He hit, I think, like two free throws. Yeah, in he the got game. fouled twice. So. Yeah, he kind of looked a little awkward out there. I felt like he looked like he was playing in front of a bunch of his heroes at times. I kind of just looked oh, like he really? was the guy. Who was, I, I thought he looked like he was happy to be there. 
But at times I saw like I felt like oh he could have maybe defended a play a little bit harder, but was like, hey, look, it's the All Star game. I don't oh, yeah. want to, you know, I don't want to overdo it and like hack someone. But I was like, oh come on, Sabonis, I want to see a little bit more effort. You know, in the beginning, it seemed like he really wasn't on the same page as a couple guys uh, in terms of just when they try to give him some go ahead passes. But yeah. yeah, in the end, he plays. I think it was about 19 minutes, but I don't believe any in the fourth quarter. Um, no, he started the fourth know. quarter. It's just not timed. That's why yeah, his minutes yeah. are kind of wacky. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting concept. I thought the competition level of play really picked up in the second half because in the first the first quarter, everyone was just shooting threes, and right. it was just there was really no defense. But I like the concept. What did you think of uh, the new style? Uh, for charity, I like that better than I did with the the quarters resetting. I, I was, I mean, I know uh, that's how you got to determine it for charity, but it was a little. Uh, it was they, interesting. They kept a tally of the score. It's not like the score mm-hmm. just disappeared. And if you really wanted to yeah. know what the actual score was, you could check it. I mean, I think they had it even running on the broadcast. If not, it was on the phone. So if you wanted to check your app to see what the score was, I mean, they had a running tally there. That's so, where it was. I didn't see it on the TV. Yeah, so, so uh, it didn't bother me that much. I thought it was a cool idea. I thought that having the end zone full of those kids for their I respective was charities was awesome. I thought the kids really enjoyed it. And them getting into it made the players, I feel like, getting a little bit more into it. You know, the Kobe tribute was awesome. I know the beginning yes. of the game took forever to get started. but It really it, did. It is it is what it is. Like, quit complaining. Like, that's what's driving me crazy. It's like, oh, how can we make the three-point contest better? How can, just enjoy it. It's not supposed to be some serious thing. Like, cool, if a guy wins, he wins. You know, like, the only reason I was annoyed about the whole Aaron Gordon uh, slam dunk contest thing was just because, I, I felt like Dwayne Wade rigged the whole thing to make sure that his Miami Heat guy won because if they ended up in a tie again, that meant the five judges were going to have to vote for the winner. And I knew that Aaron Gordon was probably going to win based on the judges' votes, and Dwayne Wade didn't want to make his guy, Derek Jones Jr., uh, lose, and, lose on that end of it. So he just went ahead and rigged the way they were going to vote to make sure that his guy won. But yeah, you can you can say what you want. The, both guys did a great job. I don't think they should have been co, uh, you know, winners of that trophy either. I think that's a cop out. I, I think that Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon had a higher score overall, and Aaron Gordon had better dunks, you know, one through six. So whatever. But <laughs> as far as the All Star game goes, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. The fourth quarter took forever, but mm-hmm. it was really fun to see those guys actually caring and. I know a lot of people have been saying, how would you implement this into today's NBA? Could this actually be an idea? And personally, Fachi, like, I don't think it is. Kevin Bowen was on for Dan Dockage on Tuesday afternoon, and I ended up direct messaging him. Uh, Kevin's been on our show a few times, and mm-hmm. I just said, you know, one of the things I think would be cool is if the score is tied and it goes into overtime, then maybe implement these kind of same rules like you you add 10 points to the score, whatever, the first one to 128 or whatever the score is. You know, if it's 118, 118, at the end of regulation, you play to 128, like add 10, add 12 points, whatever. And, and that way there's no double overtime, triple overtime. It's just, hey, you're playing to a set score. Whoever gets their first wins the game. That's the only way I can really see it being implemented. But I can't ever see this being adapted in a regular season game or a playoff game. No, I, I can't either. Overtime, that is one thing. Overtime seems to be like something you could tinker with. We've seen the NFL make changes to overtime. But I, I could see this happening in the, in the NBA, maybe down, down the line. But if the game's not broke, there's there's no need to fix it. No. I don't think there's anything wrong with the regular season. An all-star game, 
you needed to switch something up to give these players more of an incentive. Charity, I think, was the perfect example. Saw the NBA also borrowing some ideas from the big three. Saw Ice Cube get a little heated over uh, the lack of the big three. But name, was it really but, the big three, or did you know? I mean, what did they really claim to fame? I mean, what was their big thing? I don't understand that. Uh, basically, how you know, it, it, there's not going to be a time limit. But you know, there's going to be you have to hit it. the big three. Did not no, exactly. That. Pickup ball was created before the big three. I got I got really sick and tired of seeing the big three trying to you know try to claim all this they, credit for that personally. Yeah, they definitely were pushing that hard. I mean, sure, there's yes. going to be cer- certain things that are going to be, you know, uh, like they might make a change to say, hey, you can't win on free throws. It could be something different. That's how the oh, big yeah. Three. What did you think about it, that? I wanted to get your thoughts on ending on a free throw. Uh, I didn't really like it as much. Yeah, it I, took I, away I, from the dynamic, didn't it? I agree. I agree. I would have liked to have seen them play it out, just find a way to make it a little bit more interesting, have it come down to a basket. would have been a lot more dramatic. Sure, Anthony Davis missed the first one, so that added some drama to it. But I don't know. I, I think I would have liked to have seen it not end on a free throw. How do you do but, that, Fachi? What are your ideas? Do you have any thoughts? I mean, I don't want to take what the big three is doing. They're having the, those players, if someone commits a foul, they play one-on-one for the basket. It's interesting. It is. I, I don't like I that. I want to see it. I want to see it in a game first. Like the big three will introduce that this year. Let's see how it goes. But I mean, what, what would you do to prevent people just continuing to foul then, so they don't give up that basket? Well, I don't know about you, but I've been on some some long pickup games where you're just not going to let that person score. You could foul time after time. Well, here's a thought. If it, what was the score at that point? Was it one fifty six to one fifty five when he got fouled? Yes. Yep. Okay, so let's say Kyle Lowry fouls him. Well, if you get fouled on game point, what do you do? You recheck the ball up. I think that's what you kind of do in this scenario. But I think you take one point away from the team that made the foul. So that would make it 156-154. Okay, well, you lose a point. Now you got to hit a three on the other end if they miss to win the game. If you get another mismatch again with Kyle Lowry in the post against Anthony Davis and you foul to prevent them from winning, well, now you're down two possessions. I think just take off one point, not not two points, just one point every time they commit a foul, and that way you know you can't <laughs> you can't win on a free throw, and it just uh, penalizes the team for committing the foul. Play defense. Okay, all right. Well, hey, I'm open to anything. Um, I, did you think it was a, a little ridiculous? Over or under? Team LeBron, they shot seventy threes. Did you expect more or less? I mean, how many threes are you going to go for in an All Star game? Honestly, I really have no idea. I didn't even think about that. So <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, whatever. But uh, seventy is quite a bit. I mean, maybe maybe forty or fifty makes sense, but. It is an all-star game. I really get tired of seeing them jack threes the whole time. I'd yeah, rather them, agreed. I'd rather them do like alley-oops and passes off the backboard and dunks. Yeah. They're not going to play defense. Like, at least have fun with it. I mean, but I was really hoping Kawhi Leonard would break Paul George's record. I'm not going to lie. I was I, I was quietly rooting for that because I'm just, I'm just tired of Paul George, to be honest with you. I got shocked that he did it because Kawhi ended up 8 of 14 from three he had at least seven threes in the first half that he made i believe and then i think in the second half he really slowed down i i know he had at least 23 or 25 points at the half so his second second half was a lot slimmer that's just because he only played 20 minutes i mean you had 30 points in 20 minutes it's it's great but i did think that paul george record was going down i did so i i thought that was inevitable but look 
Sabonis, going back to him, right, right. two points. Uh, did you really expect much more? Because I felt like he was going to get the Danny Granger, Roy Hibbert treatment where, like, you get your token one basket and it's kind of like, all right, you know, you were the lower man on the totem pole of the All-Stars, but great experience to be amongst the greats of the game. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt, too. It's like... What Sabonis does does not really translate to an all-star game, but that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about recognition. And then, you know, Sabonis being who Sabonis is for the regular season and for the Pacers' playoffs chances, that's what I want him to be. So, you know, he's not going to go out there, set screens, roll to the basket, and dunk on guys. It's like You don't do that in the all-star game. You don't play defense, no. and you shoot threes, and you throw alley-oops. It's like, yeah, that's just not his game. So, unfortunately, it, it wasn't something that was going to really highlight him, but – it was funny to see guys fouling him when he was in the post. Like, can you not just let the guy score one and, and save the fouls? Because nobody wants to stop the clock for a stupid foul. It's true. The four free throws by Sabonis tied for the most on Team LeBron. So got six gotta rebounds. Find a, got, he did. He did. At one point at halftime, just classic Pacer fans, he had five rebounds at halftime to lead Team LeBron. Everyone's like, Sabonis doing what he does, leading the team in rebounds. Like, and it was just comical because yeah. you know it's the All Star game. People are just shooting threes. That's for that's for sure, Fox. Well, I don't think there's really much else going on right now in the NBA. Uh, obviously, we're hearing about John Beeline possibly uh, going to be parting ways here with the Cavaliers soon. I don't really think Beeline's the problem. I think Cleveland's the problem. But hey, Indiana Hoosiers, if you're listening, hire this man. Archie Miller is not the answer, and. Uh, if if you're listening to IU, please get a guy that's actually competent and put him in there. John Beeline, I'm I'm, I'm pleading for him, Fachi. But anyway, uh, as far as other news, Reggie Jackson looks like he's going to the Los Angeles Clippers to be one of their backup point guards as they have agreed to a buyout, it looks like, in Detroit. And then Jeff Green and Damari Carroll are going to be joining the Houston Rockets. So uh, that is your Hoops and Headlines abbreviated segment there, Fachi. Any thoughts on those new uh, transactions? I think both good moves for the Rockets. They had two spots to fill. You're getting some veteran presence over there. So but no center. Get some guys. No center. It seems like they're they're pretty hell-bent on. They will add no center to this team. No one will be above 6'9", basically in any rotation at all. Um, and they still got them again this year, just so you know, though. It's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how the Pacers guard them. Yes, it's going to be interesting this time around. The first time around did not go well. Um but, hey, it's a different team. The Pacers were pretty banged up. I believe that was the game Brogdon got hurt in, oh, left we early. Game. Turner wasn't we there. Lose. We could have we won that game. I, I want to say James Harden had, like, 40 in that game. Yeah, so you imagine was it, awful. Yes, he was terrible. So you imagine if Brogdon plays, you know, his usual minutes, the Pacers could win that game. But yeah. when you're talking about um, Reggie Jackson going to the Clippers – I think that's a great move for them. Reggie Jackson as a starter, come on. He's not going to be anyone's top choice. If you know the Clippers were too good for Isaiah Thomas and they just cut him when they got him in a trade, then, hey, Reggie Jackson, that is an upgrade there. Yeah. So I like it. Yeah, and my tweet exactly on the Reggie Jackson transaction was, is Reggie, is Reggie Jackson a good starting point guard in today's NBA? No. Is, Re- is Reggie Jackson a viable backup point guard with really good players? Yes. So – you know, you just got to kind of put it into context. Who is this guy? What is he going to be doing? And so forth. But anyway, Fachi, my last question for you for this segment before we go into our midseason awards. When is John Wall coming back? What's going on with John Wall? 
I don't know if I'm the guy to ask. I know what you're trying to sprinkle in a little Wizards news over here, but it's not going to be this year. So one of my roommates is a huge Wizards fan, and I was telling him, think about how much your life has changed since the last time John Wall stepped on the court and the next time he's going to step on his court on the court because it's been, at that point, it'll have been over two years, basically. Who Who is the Wizards starting point guard right now? Um... I couldn't tell you. Uh, I know they got Ish Smith. I, I think I'm probably going to go with Ish Smith. So <laughs> uh, okay, you didn't know, but you knew they got Ish Smith. All right, Fachi. No, well, they've had they've had Ish Smith on the oh, year. Okay. So I would just say after you've shuffled through, no John Wall, Isaiah Thomas is gone. You know, you're at the, the bottom of the East. You try out whatever options you can. All right. Well, there you have it. Were you bummed at all that Bradley Beal didn't make the All Star game? I don't know. Maybe we'll have to go back to one of our previous episodes where you asked me the same question, huh? How about that? Well, I didn't know. I mean, after watching it, I didn't know if you thought he would be really a big help for Team LeBron or Team Giannis. Uh, I mean, hey, highest points per game and never make an all-star. Obviously, you know, if you're averaging near 30, I think you deserve to be an all-star. But I know winning is something that is very much taken into it. So, hey, you got the short end of the stick there. Yeah, would you have taken him over? Who would you have picked him over? That's that's the thing. That's what makes it tough because, I mean, when you're going by, you know, even though they, they mash up the teams east and west, I don't know who he would have really made it over in the east. Like, I, I, I do think that Ben Simmons was deserving of making yeah. it. Because he Simmons awesome is in the running in that game, by the way. Yeah, and he's in the running for defensive player of the year. Oh, he, yeah. He's in there. Um, so I don't, I just don't know a guy like Beal who you really could have made it over when you're talking guard wise. So, I mean, is there someone that comes to mind for you? Cause like Trey Young was voted in as a starter, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's the fan vote right there. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people probably would have said maybe like a lot of people hate Kyle Lowry <laughs> and I'm not, I mean, I guess it's because that's a guy taking charges in the all-star game, but yeah, Kyle Lowry I respect is, is on the second best team in the Eastern Conference right now. So I think they're deserving of two. Um, I don't know why Kemba Walker was out on the court to end the game more so than Kyle Lowry. I mean, I, I know I understand that, like, I heard some people like, oh, well, you know, why is uh, Trey Young not out there over Kyle Lowry because he was a starter? Well, Luka Doncic wasn't out there over Chris Paul. So mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things where it's like the coaches just kind of have their rotation set. But yeah. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, Bradley Beal maybe could have made it, but you know what? He didn't make it. You know, you signed the contract to be on a team that sucks, and that's your that's what you pay. I mean, maybe when John Wall comes back, he'll be okay. But I'm I'm skeptical about when he returns. I don't think they're going to be yeah. as good as people are expecting. I I don't think so either. I think the best of John Wall is far behind him, and for Beal, he's going to end up being like the highest paid player in about two years. Ugh. So. The, at one point, that contract I think is like pretty close to fifty million a year. I think it's like well over forty-five. So I don't think he's going to be complaining too much. And if he is, hey, hey he did it to himself because right. rarely are players signing extensions early, and he was one of them to do it. Yeah. Well, just to wrap it up, we appreciate you guys listening to this segment. We're going to jump into our mid-season awards here right after this quick break as Fachi drowns himself. And a bowl of ice cream as Davis Bertans, former Pacer and current Washington Wizards, did not win the three-point contest like Fachi was hoping. So we'll be right back. 
Alrighty, everybody, we are back after that commercial break, and Fachi is still trying to figure out what he is going to do with the Wizards being so bad, the New York Knicks being terrible. That's why he is a Pacer fan, ladies and gentlemen, because the teams surrounding him suck. But we're here to do our midseason awards, Fachi. Isn't that right? That it is. That it is. And in the meantime, Alex will work on some new material. But today, we have some new material for you guys. Our, our rewards for the awards. Our, Sorry, guys. Not, not rewards. We are not handing anything out to these players. But we will award them with just a, a little bit of respect. Alex, you want to kick off the first award for today? Yeah, so before we jump into you know the awards and just going through them, I want to go through the categories. So just so you guys know, our categories are the following. We're going to do MVP of the season so far, best newcomer, uh, the most clutch pacer, the game of the season so far, the play of the season so far, the funniest guy slash funniest guy that gives the best reactions. We're going to do best dressed. We're going to do best Fox Sports moment. And then the most likely to make their first all-star appearance. So, Fachi, you want to head things off first with the MVP, or do you want to work our way up to that? Uh, no, let's, let's, let's start with uh, the big kaboom of the MVP. So our three choices for today were DeMontis Sabonis, TJ Warren, and Malcolm Brogdon. So I thought that those were the three guys that had made the biggest impact to the Pacers so far on the season and I don't know if it's going to come as a surprise, but I'm going with DeMontis Sabonis. 41 double-doubles, four triple-doubles. He's kind of put the team on his back for large chunks of the season. Uh, Alex, did you have anything to differ out of those three candidates? No, not really, because one made the All-Star game and two didn't. So I think mm-hmm. that kind of solidifies how important Sabonis is to this team. Now, a lot of people might say Malcolm Brogdon might have been the most important player to this Pacers team just because we haven't had a legitimate point guard. But even in games that Malcolm has missed, Sabonis has still produced, and we've had guys fill in for him. And the same, I guess, you could be said for Sabonis when he's missed some games. You know, Turner stepped up. Uh, Goga has stepped up with Jakar Sampson. I mean, this team has just been really well balanced. But I think Sabonis has just been so pivotal for this team's success and I know there are some fans that absolutely hate Sabonis, which I don't understand why, but they really don't like him. And I'm not trying to sit here and be a Sabonis stand. I just think personally, if you look at the numbers, like you mentioned, 41 double-doubles, four triple-doubles, right? Four, is that correct? There's four. Four, right. Okay, so I was like, wait a second, is that wrong? <laughs> but but yeah. anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's got to be Sabonis. And I think, honestly, I would make more of a case for T.J. Warren than Malcolm Brogdon just because T.J. Warren – his scoring has been huge. His defense has been incredible this season. And when the Pacers were without him, they looked really sloppy. And I know when he came back, it was still a bit of a bumpy road. But the reason they beat the Bucks last week is because of T.J. Warren. So uh, Yes, it I'm is. Gonna, I'm going to go with Sabonis here for the MVP. But these other two guys have been really important as well. They really have. I would give T.J. Warren the nod at second place mm-hmm. on there just when you mentioned that bucks game i mean he went bananas in that game he was 16 of 19 shooting he scored six clutch points down the stretch when we needed him i feel like at times a little bit underappreciated just because he's been just so consistent scoring wise but just a guy that night in night out when he's involved properly he's giving you 20 in his sleep so yeah. uh, i i stand with sabonis as my mvp of the team sounds like we're in agreement there so moving over to the next category Best newcomer. Alex, I'll let you lead this off of who the candidates are and what you went with. 
Yeah, so we have a lot of newcomers this year. I believe there's six of them exactly. There might be seven. I can't remember, but I believe there are about six or seven new newcomers. And we went with our top three, and one is T.J. Warren. Number two is Malcolm Brogdon. And number three, this was a tough one, but we decided to go with T.J. McConnell. So the case for McConnell versus a guy like Justin Holliday, Gogo Bataze, Jakar, you know, really, and Jeremy Lamb even too, I think it just comes down to the fact that he has been so pivotal for our bench and has just been that energizer for us. So, you know, I'm not going to pick McConnell as the best newcomer. Um, You know, Fancha, you kind of alluded to TJ Warren being second in your running for MVP. Personally, I think it's Malcolm Brogdon as our best newcomer. It was the guy that everybody, you know, gravitated to. You need a legitimate point guard in the NBA to be a successful team. And I just feel like, you know, as good as Aaron Holiday has been in moments, as good as McConnell has been off the bench and filling in that starting role for Brogdon, the Pacers are just so much better when Brogdon is playing his A game. And T.J. Warren is a great scorer, and he's gotten better defensively, and he continues to make strides and possibly could be our best wing defender. But I just feel like Brogdon is that leader the Pacers need on the court, off the court, and the team is so much better with him there. So my personal vote goes to Malcolm Brogdon. Who is your vote for this is where we differ a little bit. I'm going with TJ Warren. Now, I definitely respect the Brogdon pick. Uh, obviously, in the beginning of the year, he was looking like an all-star before missing some time and you know, struggles from the field at times. I went with TJ Warren because he's actually better than I expected. That's I expected a drop-off from coming over from Phoenix. I thought, hey, come on, this is Phoenix. They're trash. You know, they're they're typically you know they're they're never they're never one to really win more than two games in a row if they can even get that far. But hey, Warren, he's improved his defense and he's shown that he's not just a good scorer on a bad team. His numbers they've actually improved since last year. He's shooting a career high fifty three percent from the field on less attempts, but yet averaging more points. So and I, and the defense that we obviously touched on before, it seemed non-existent. It's actually he's taken pride in it, and he had six steals the other night. And I think that it's just something where T.J. Warren has been a great surprise for me. So yeah. I, I wouldn't argue with you at all on Brogdon, but I did think that T.J. Warren deserves some strong consideration. So you can't go wrong with either. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at too. Like I love T.J. Warren. He's actually become one of my favorite Pacer players just to watch. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like. You know, the trust and the bond that McMillan and Brogdon have formed together. You know, Brogdon goes to him, I guess, and they pregame, uh, pregame, they they game plan together. And Brogdon's like, here's what I kind of want to do. And McMillan and him just kind of agree on it and lets him roll with it. And so I just think, you know, defensively, you know, when we've, when we've needed big stops, when we've needed big plays, I feel like I've seen Brogdon more so there than a TJ Warren. So it's one of those things where it, it's tough. I love T.J. Warren, but I, I feel like it's Brogdon here. And if we're going to make a list here for our, our vote, how are we going to figure this one out if we're both divided? Uh, you know, we might have to settle this off air and uh, hear from some of the listeners. Uh, okay. Because this could this could be up for a poll. I think this would be a good poll topic of who, who has been the best newcomer for the Pacers. Well, and I, I feel would like, like if we put T.J. McConnell in there, he's going to get the votes. <laughs> Yeah, he would just because he's just that beloved. Like, look, yeah. I love T.J. McConnell. The spark off the bench, he protects the ball. I mean, you're just – he hustles, he grinds. He just symbolizes what it's like to just be a scrappy grinder who's just getting it done. And 
I think he's just raised everybody's play a little bit. And yeah. the fans, come on, when you see that, it, it, how could you not get behind a guy like that? But you might have to remove TJ McConnell because people will vote for him like right. that if we want it just between Warren and Brogdon. Yeah, so let's just say undecided between us two. Mm-hmm. But we'll come back to it, and maybe we can come up with it at the end of the show after if we've made our decision on uh, everything else so we can have at least a consensus list. But let's move on to the most clutch player, and I'll let you read the nominations. So the nominations are Malcolm Brogdon, TJ Warren, and Aaron Holiday. This one, uh, this one was, was a fun topic because I think at times we've seen various guys display clutchness, but... Alex, I'm going with Malcolm Brogdon for mine. Okay. I think Brogdon at times, I've mentioned it, it seems like I could almost make a t-shirt out of this quote, he but saves he his saved best his for best last. for last. You know it. And that's what he does. And it comes down to the shot against the Lakers. It, it had me freaking out. I was running around my my living room as oh, if God. there was like a tornado warning. All right, I was, I was freaking out. I was scaring babe. She thought I was probably in trouble or someone was coming or whatever was going to happen. But it was just Malcolm Brogdon slaying the Lakers, and I loved it. And he also had clutch baskets down the stretch against Chicago in the comeback, where I think he had 10 points in the fourth quarter in overtime. We've seen it against Philly. I mean, he's just been he's been pretty consistent when we needed him down the stretch. That was yeah. my pick. Yeah, and he hit that big shot against Minnesota as well. Uh, mm-hmm. In Indianapolis on that Friday night after they played Wednesday in Minnesota, he uh, <laughs> he hit a big shot. Yeah, this is a tough one. I don't think it's T.J. Warren. I don't think T.J. Warren is actually the most clutch player. No. Uh, he he can be, but it's kind of hard to put three in here right now because we haven't seen enough of Victor this season to really consider him for this award. But Aaron Holiday, I mean, he, he makes a pretty strong case, Faji. He's hit some really big shots. We're, we got the win over the um, Orlando Magic, the three hit there. We're talking about that game in Toronto where he was just on fire and led us against the, you know, uh, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet show. I mean, they were going off. Aaron Holiday was matching everything they were doing. And, you know, he's a backup point guard who's not even in the rotation right now. So yeah. it's one of those things where it's like Aaron Holiday is a gamer, and when the game's on the line, if he takes a shot, I'm totally fine with it. But I think you're right, probably. I think Malcolm Brogdon probably deserves this award just because, like you said, he saves his best for last, and when the game's on the line, I would much rather the ball be in his hands than anybody else on this team right now. Maybe maybe Oladipo, at the end of the season, you feel more comfortable about that once you feel like he's really got his footing together and he's really coming to his own. But I think this season so far, Malcolm has hit the most important shots for this team. He has. T.J. Warren is lacking that true moment, like that game-winner moment yeah. we saw you know, in India against uh, the Kings. He had a really clutch shot, but that's preseason. I mean, we've seen him have and baskets when we needed Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've seen him have baskets like the six straight points against Milwaukee that we mentioned earlier, but that's not really like one specific shot. Also, Aaron Holiday had a really clutch shot against Brooklyn earlier in the season, like I want to say in like November. So it's nice to see the, the flashes of clutchness from Aaron Holiday. But make no mistake, Malcolm Brogdon is taking home this award. Bada-bing. There you go, Malcolm. You have won the most clutch player of the Setting the Pace podcast award. So let's move forward. Game of the season. So this one was tough, Fachi. We had quite a few different um, – games to pick from this year because the Pacers have had some really close games. So um, 
we actually came down to four and we ended up trimming that down to three. So our, our final four for this award was the Pacers versus the Raptors game, which we just mentioned with Aaron Holiday winning that in overtime. You mentioned earlier Brogdon's layup against the Lakers, so the Pacers beat the Lakers at home. And then we also had the Pacers beating the Celtics in a, a really fun game at home earlier in the season. And then lastly, we had the Pacers' fourth quarter comeback against the Denver Nuggets where Sabonis got his first triple-double, and Doug McDermott went 9 for 10 from from three, so we ended up cutting the Celtics game out of there. So it's Pacers beat Raptors, Pacers beat Lakers, and Pacers beat Nuggets. Fachi, what is your favorite game so far of the season? This is where it gets fun and interesting. I have to go with the Pacers beating the Lakers because that was also when it was known there is no Fachi curse because I called it out <laughs> and I said the 13-game road winning streak ends tonight and you – you put all of Pacers' Twitter on me saying that I cursed it. We're going to lose this game. Everyone was telling me, delete this tweet. What did you do to us? You know, you screwed us over. Whatever it was, no. Malcolm Brogdon with the reverse layup. It takes it right towards Dwight Howard and lays it in. It was a nail-biter and such a signature win. Lakers fans were as salty as it comes, just popping up. They couldn't even let Pacer fans enjoy the win. They were that salty about it. And LeBron was held in check. It was like old times seeing him struggle in Indiana in the regular season. Got to preface because playoffs, it's a different thing. But what was your thoughts on this? Well, a couple things here with that Lakers game. Just want to note they did not have Anthony Davis in that game. Mm-hmm. And Dwight Howard completely obliterated both our bigs as far as the numbers he put up that night. So, you know, there were some good things about that game, and it was an awesome win because anytime you beat LeBron James, you have to celebrate because Indiana has been, you know, the Holy Tree Conference really has just been brokenhearted because of LeBron James for that long stretch where he was in the finals every year. But, you know, one of the games I just – I want to I really just hype this game up is that win – against the Raptors in overtime, it was two players that we're not used to seeing be the go-to guys down the stretch. Now, you know, the Raptors, of course, did not have Pascal Siakam. I'm not even sure if Ibaka played in that game. I know Marc Gasol didn't play he in did. that game. Ibaka, did Ibaka play. played uh, no Gasol, no Siakam. Right, okay, so Ibaka was there. Fred Van Vliet was going off, like I mentioned earlier. Kyle Lowry's going off. He's telling the referee to tell that fan to be quiet when the fan didn't even say anything. I mean, it's getting real chippy, and that's right. I do remember Ibaka because I remember Aaron Holiday in overtime cashed a three over him and started talking trash to Ibaka after Love he it. drilled a three in his face. Miles Turner actually grabs Aaron Holiday and is like, bro, stop talking. You know, <laughs> don't do this, young, young fella. And, and Miles Turner as well. Unbelievable. Clutch three after clutch three. I think they had four threes to end that overtime period, uh, two from each of Holiday and Turner. Yep. So it was kind of one of those games where, you know, you really needed a, a pick-me-up win. Brogdon wasn't there. It was a signature win for these guys. It was the middle of the season. And, you know, at that point, the Pacers were kind of jockeying with Toronto for seeding purposes. So, you know, the Lakers, it's LeBron. You hate LeBron. You know, the Denver game, it's a really fun game to watch because of how incredible Sabonis and McDermott were in that comeback. But I just like seeing guys that aren't used as the normal closeout guys finishing the game. 
that's why I'm giving my vote to the Raptors game. I respect it. Yeah, Aaron Holiday hit five threes in that game, two of which were just huge. I mean, I think it was like the game tying and then the game go-ahead three in that game. Miles Turner, 24 points. I mean, T.J. Warren, 24. It, it was just an awesome win over the defending champs, which is always a big deal. So uh, I, I respect it. But just so that Nuggets game gets a little bit of shine, I loved it because while it was a nice little consolation, you know, it was a good candidate, a huge road win in yeah, Denver. That's true. Just a big fourth quarter rally. I mean, as we touched on, Sabonis' first triple-double, the first triple-double since George Hill, like in like 2015, so it had been a few years. Uh, And then just McDermott just being unleashed. I mean, just letting it fly. The Pacers put up 41 in the fourth quarter, and uh, they outscore um, the Nuggets by 15 in a game where they won by eight. It was just awesome to see. So I thought that that was worth considering. And I think that it really probably should be closer to the ones we're picking than what it really is because you think about it, everyone talked about that scheduled loss in Utah following that back-to-back at altitude, playing two really good teams. Utah was probably the hottest team in the NBA at that point. So you almost feel like you're going to lose that game. So starting off the road trip 0-2 would have been horrible. And the way the Pacers came back and won that game was phenomenal. And it also unleashed Doug McDermott. And another sense, besides on the court, that's when he called out the NBA for not paying attention to the Pacers and saying they wouldn't put him in the three-point contest, even though he went 9 for 10 twice in that road trip, Fachi. He was unbelievable mm-hmm. on that road trip. So, you, you know, it, it was one of those games where you, you won't forget it. All three games are very memorable. It's it's really a tough one to pick. I like them all. <laughs> I like them all, hey, but I, I very much respect us being split on Lakers and Raptors, both quality wins against two of the better teams in the league. So, And Alex, there's a ton of games that could have been on this list if they resulted in wins. I yeah. mean, there was there the was some game. good – the Heat game immediately came to mind. If the Pacers won that game, 100%, I'm putting it in this list. Yeah, and the same one goes for the Raptors game they blew a couple weeks ago. Like a franchise record threes made in that game. Just really, I mean, they were up as much as 19 points. It was just, that was another one where it's tough. But, uh, you know, in the end, we got the Raptors coming up uh, somewhat soon. So hopefully we'll get some revenge. But I'm going with the Lakers. You're going with the Raptors. Maybe we'll have the listeners decide this one too. Well, here's here's my proposal because we're – Split on best newcomer and game of the season. How about you pick the best newcomer? I'll pick the game of the season, and that way that can make our list uh, like a, I guess you could say, like where we actually pick a winner and not just be split. So that way we can kind of divvy up what we think and put our thoughts together and then just have one generic list of all the winners. Sure. Sound fair? Yep. Sounds fair to me. We'll come back to it at the end of the show and recap all the awards and go through the rundown. So let's move on to plays of the season here, Fachi. Um, you want to give the nominations for that one? Yeah, so for the the top three plays of the season, we have Malcolm Brogdon's reverse layup against the Lakers, which we touched on earlier, Aaron Holiday's game winner against the Magic, and lastly, Victor Oladipo's game-tying three against the Chicago Bulls. That's my vote. His return. That's my vote, too. And I, I think that this is going to be unanimous. Because, yeah. Alex, this was a moment. Okay. Everything we waited for for a full year, game on the line. Oladipo, he is who everybody in that building thought 
he was, and that's clutch. Saves the Pacers from the depths of defeat against the Bulls. The whole crowd was rocking. Well, and the thing is, Fachi, it was the Chicago Bulls. You're about to lose to one of the worst teams in the entire NBA. It's Victor's return game. You know, you want this to be a you know a fairy tale ending, so to speak. And the Pacers rally back with Victor on the court in the clutch moment. He's 28 feet behind the three or 28 feet from the basket. You know, a good four or five feet behind the three point line. He just catches it, looks at Chandler Hutchison. Okay, hand down, man down, boom, cashes the three, ties the game. The whole place erupts. It was just such an emotional comeback. We had been waiting over a year to see Victor play for the Pacers once again. And my goodness, Fachi, it was just a beautiful thing, a beautiful story. Now, I know the Pacers did go on a losing streak after that after that game, but that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, all you're going to think about Oladipo returns and the Pacers beat the Bulls thanks to Oladipo's game-tying three. Exactly. I mean, that was when you waited a full year for Oladipo to return. That was the moment that made you know just how important he is to this team. And it's not that it, that was the moment that made you know. It reminded you, this right. is this is our guy. I mean, we this is what we've been missing. So to see just the flash, I know he went on a struggle, you know, and even in that game, but in the, in the following games, but that moment told you just how vital he is moving forward. And once he gets right, the Pacers are going to be such a better team than they were without him. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think there's any debating anything else there. No. Other good plays, of course, we've had great plays this season, but that one will be unforgettable for years to come. So moving forward, we got the funniest guys slash funniest reactions. The nominees for this award are the beloved rookie Goga Bataze, uh, Mr. Fly Guy himself, Jeremy Lamb, and then TJ McConnell. So finding a third guy for this was really hard for me. <laughs> I think it really only comes down to two people. So sorry, yeah. McConnell. You know, your your reactions are funny sometimes, but not usually. Uh, I really think it comes down to Jeremy Lamb and Goga. Facha, who are you going with here? I'm going with Goga. Okay. I feel like he, he's the lovable rookie. You know, it was funny to see him dressed as Mario in the preseason. And Mario. it sounds like who I say Mario. Mario. Some people, I say Mario. Some people say Mario. Okay, I say Italian, Mario. So what is it? I, I go with Mario. <laughs> I, I know other people say Mario. I am not Mario. backing down from this one. All right. He literally so says he just, Mario when he introduces himself. He goes, it's me, a Mario. He's wrong. All right. <laughs> the creator so, of the whole entire thing is wrong. <laughs> yeah. So we know that, yeah, we're moving on from it, all right? So oh, this is such a bad Goga, take. basically, you hear from, from the locker room that he's just a fun guy to be around, and I feel like he's going to continue to come out of his shell. Yeah, obviously his play needs to be able to back up him, you know, being funnier and playing more jokes. But also just while it isn't even a joke, just the, the mere image of Goga at that table where it's just wide open, there's no media around him, and then Zion has everyone around him. It's just something that you could only give like a smirk and just be like, oh, Goga, you know, yeah. don't worry about it. You're going to be all right. Yeah. Well, you know, and I I love seeing Goga as Mario, as you call him. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it was it was fun to watch him during that um, fan, fan jam, whatever they call that thing. But yep. 
I honestly just like watching him off the court during the games. They'll, <laughs> they'll literally just have a camera on Fox Sports Indiana zoomed in on Goga every time to get his reaction. And I believe there was one point in the game where guys were like shooting in on the, in the corner three, and he would like stand up on the bench and like start talking to the players shooting. I forget what game it was, but it was hysterical. And I'm like, man, Goga's playing great defense here, and he's not even in the game. <laughs> you know, he's just so yeah. he's just so animated. Like Jeremy Lamb gives some like super funny reactions when he's on the court to stuff. Even off the court, he makes funny reactions. But I just think Goga is the funniest guy overall. He just seems to love being a pacer and, and loves having a good time. And, you know, I would love to see him develop a little bit better and be a more reliable player for this team. But ultimately, I, I just love watching Goga's reactions on the bench. He is hilarious. He is. And, hey, you can't get called for a foul when you're on the bench. So in that instance, you know, he's innocent. But, yeah, I think he's going to be someone once we see him uh, – play more, get more involved with the team. It's just everybody's going to take to him because he just has this kind of like, it seems like, I don't want to call it magnetic, but there's just something about Goga where you you want to root for him, you know? That's a good adjective. I like magnetic. I think he's a magnetic personality. Yeah, I I think so. We're only going to see more of that. So I'm looking forward to that. So we are in agreement with Goga over here. Jeremy Lamb, while he has what's known as on Twitter, you know, Lamb face due to his reaction, just his like his simple just how he reacts to things is more funnier than any of his actual actions. So I'm going to go with Goga. Just kind of seems like his body language at times is uh, a lot funnier. All right. Well, let's move on to our next category. This one goes to the best dressed. And our nominees do not include Jeremiah Johnson or Nate McMillan. They could use some help in that department. No offense. Bill Baino constantly giving Jeremiah Johnson a hard time for the suit he wears. I, I agree. There are sometimes Jeremiah Johnson's suits can be a little too much. But anyway, Fachi, our nominees for the best dressed. We're going to start out with the leader of this team, Victor Oladipo. Our center, Miles Turner. And our sixth man, Jeremy Lamb. So these are some tough ones because I think all these guys are nice, nicely dressed. Uh, T.J. McConnell was like a fourth option for me. I like the way he dresses. But uh, who do you think has the most style on this team? I think it's got to be Victor Oladipo. This oh, yeah. man he made is fanny pack swaggy. Cool. Exactly. He's making pretty much anything cool. I mean, even his graphic tees that he keeps simple, it's just like, well, that's pretty fresh right there. You know, and it'll just have like just whatever logo he's feeling, even if it's like a superhero or anything of the sort. I mean, the man, it's just he's a model for Express. And I know I've walked into Express seeing his picture over there and being like, hey, I mean, if Vic's down with it, I'm down with it, too. So. It seems like he can make just about anything cool. That's that's a great point, Fachi. And let's just be honest. I mean, the guy dressed up in a green, fuzzy monster costume with a suit on him, and he won the heart of Nicole Scherzinger. I mean, that says enough to me. I mean, no offense to Miles Turner. I think Turner's got some pretty good... Pretty good style. I like the way he rolls out a lot of times uh, with his new with his new looks. But most of the time, I'm just like Oladipo is just keeping it simple. And mm-hmm. that fanny pack, man. I mean, kids love it, and you pay attention to it. He's just he's just a fun guy. He's so charismatic, and I think you know you mentioned it. He's an express model. Give him the best dressed award, hands down. 
Yeah, you have to. Like I said before, at times, he doesn't do too much where you're like, what is he wearing? It's not like a Serge Ibaka scarf that's like literally eight feet long or anything. <laughs> you know, he keeps it. He keeps it very reasonable and fresh, and that's better than Paul George's clothes. Because Paul George, yeah. that green paisley shirt Paul George wore was hideous. I don't care what anybody or says. Gross. Russell Westbrook looking like a crossing guard. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can make a fanny Steve pack cool, but you, you cannot make a crossing guard look look cool. <laughs> I don't know. Westbrook did a nice job. <laughs> He's had some interesting styles, and let's let's just put it at that. And Jeremy Lamb, hey, anyone who nicknames himself Fly Guy, I respect it. But yeah. in this situation, I, I thought Oladipo is the flyest guy on the team. And Alex, I gotta throw it in there. We spoke offline. I don't know. There's something about Alize Johnson's style that no, I dig. No, I think no. his swag per paycheck. Is strong, all right? This is not a man who's making $20 million. Whatever he's making could be like, you know, 500K or close to it. He makes it work, and I respect All right, well, um, we're not really seeing much of Alizé Johnson (laughs) right now. So, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind, and personally, it's like you you can't have Alizé Johnson in the top three best dress on the Pacers. I'm sorry. Uh, With that hair... It's just not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but I had, to, I had to give my man a little bit of a uh, little credit as a consolation throw. Is he listening? Uh, you never know. Okay, you never know. That's a, that's a good point. Alizé, if we'll you're find listening, out. I'm sorry. Your hair looks great. All right, let's move on to <laughs> the next segment. Or not segment, the next award. Uh, the best Fox Sports moment. So this one really was a tough one for us because – there's been a lot of great moments, and we came up with three. So the nominees are Vic's emotional return, interview with Jeremiah Johnson, um, when the fan hit a half-court shot for a year and won, uh, or hit a half-court shot to win Chick-fil-A for a year, excuse me. And then lastly, David West one-on-one with Jeremiah Johnson in Charlotte with T.J. Warren going off once again. So, Fachi, out of these three, who did you give your vote to? has to be Vic's emotional return with JJ. I mean, that had everybody caught up in their feelings. Literally, we talked about it before. The moment of seeing Vic hit that three to force overtime was huge. But to physically see what it meant to him, the tears in his eyes when he talked about everything he went through of rehab to make it to this moment and then to say, hey, it was just that Mamba mentality – Right after Kobe had passed away, it just it was just a moment. And I yeah. think that everybody seeing it and hearing that interview felt it. And for that, that's my top Fox Sports moment of the year. Well, just to play devil's advocate here for a minute, I actually saw a lot of people were very annoyed with Jeremiah Johnson in this situation because they felt like he just continued to keep asking questions when Oladipo clearly was, you know, too emotional to speak in that moment. Do you like? Did you get a vibe that you thought Jeremiah should have stopped asking questions? Uh, yeah, I guess you probably could have cut it off. I think in that moment you only have one shot at it. Like Vic's return, big moment. I think JJ tried to capitalize on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't fault him too much. But when Vic's that emotional, I, I think you, you know, you maybe you take a hint. 
but I don't think he kept it going too long. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really find I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, you know, Victor agreed to do it, so it's not like <laughs> Victor was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing that." You know what I mean? Like, and they forced him. It was one of those things where it was hard. But if you're Jeremiah Johnson, I mean, your job is to ask questions. That's what you're getting paid to do. Exactly. And you never know what kind of answer or response Vic might get. So I was more so on the side of I don't blame Jeremiah Johnson for continuing to ask questions. You know, he was being respectful. He wasn't just like, hey, Vic, I need you to answer this. It was more like, oh, we got an emotional Victor right here. Victor, you know, I just got to ask you, what's going through your mind now? You know, like he's he's really trying to, you know, coddle him in a sense, but at the same time trying to do his job. So I didn't have a problem with it. I think that that was a really incredible moment, you know, especially with the passing of Kobe, how much it affected all these young players in the league guys that looked up to Kobe as, you know, their inspiration and, and the guy they looked up to in the NBA. So it was really cool to see him say that he had that Mamba mentality. But, you know, uh, at the same time, I really love that David West one-on-one with Jeremiah Johnson. It was really cool to hear from West. We haven't really heard from him since he left. And, you know, he's kind of just been in the dark. But he has really supported T.J. Warren, and he's really supported this franchise, had a lot of great praise for us. So, you know, obviously Vic's emotional return interview triumphs uh, or trumps David West one-on-one with Jeremiah Johnson, but there was both unforgettable moments that you got a lot of good context from. You did. David West is someone who, when he talks, people listen. He he commands you to listen because that guy was the locker room leader. Yeah, I felt like he was the enforcer. To hear him just say positive things about the Pacers fan base saying they are a big deal. I mean, they're everywhere. They approach him all the time saying that it, it's just awesome because it felt nostalgic. It brought right. you back to the good days. And the Pacers were Eastern Conference contenders. I know we got a good team now, but we were in back-to-back finals, Eastern Conference finals. And, yeah, as you mentioned, the support for T.J. Warren. I feel like T.J. Warren's like a little brother to David. And I, it sounds like he's had nothing but great things to like educate T.J. Warren on about the Pacers and their fan base coming into this season. And I, I think it's stuff like that that had T.J. Warren excited for this year. And then also the Chick-fil-A shot. Hey, who doesn't want to win Chick-fil-A for a year? The guy was rock. It was a college kid rocking a Roy Hibbert jersey. You know, you don't see the Hibbert hip love hip. as much. Yep, hip hip, hooray. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like the, the kid, just his emotion running around going nuts after the win. I know that was like it made its rounds on Twitter that day as like something everybody was uh, jealous about. Yeah, personally for me, like this was a good one that you brought up because I kind of forgot about it. Because personally, like this is more of a at the arena type moment because mm-hmm. we just kind of got to see the replay from Fox Sports, which was still cool. Like it's like, oh, wow. And like the video did go viral. Stuff like that. So, you know, it was fun. Uh, personally, like, one of the things I wanted to put in here was just the back and forth between Bill Baino and Jeremiah Johnson. Because every time they do one, it's like one question with Bill Baino. Because Billy Baino just likes to rattle off, like, all these different answers with one question. It's like, what do you need to do to fix this? And he'll go through, like, everything they need to do. And it's like over a minute, something long. And then, you know, before he gets going, he always has to make a jab. Or before he's done, he has to make a jab at Jeremiah's suit. And it's really just good comical TV. So I enjoy that as well. Um, We haven't really gotten any great calls from Quinn and Chris because there haven't been a lot of, like, buzzer beater moments like we've seen Mm -hmm. with Oladipo. I guess you could say, you know, uh, the call on Oladipo's game tying three was a, a big one. 
and Quinn has really disappointed us this year with no smothered chickens. And, you know, it's just, it's been a tough year for Quinn personally, but, uh, yeah, I just, I'm with you. I think it's gotta be Vic's emotional return interview with Jeremiah Johnson as the best Fox sports moment we've seen this, uh, this season. Gotta be. And going to our last category, the final award. This is an interesting one. I think we could have a pretty good debate here. Who knows? Most likely to be the first time all-star, the three candidates, T.J. Warren, Malcolm Brogdon, and Miles Turner. Alex, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. Yeah, so this is not me being disrespectful to Miles, even though I am considered the chief Miles hater. I don't think that we're going to see him put up numbers uh, that are you know high enough, big enough to warrant him an all-star appearance unless he's traded. So uh, you know, I don't see Miles making it as a pacer with the team they have now. I just don't think it's really going to work for him but as far as tj warren and brogdon go like i guess your first thought would be like oh obviously brogdon because you know he gets assists he's the point guard you know he was in consideration this year but i think you know if tj warren continues to develop into the player that he is fachi i think you know he probably is more of a scorer and i think that's one of the things they look at when voting for all-stars his defense has gotten better if the pacers continue to you know if they have success in the playoffs and TJ Warren is a big part of that, I think that it really could be him over Malcolm. But I think the safe bet would be to say Malcolm Brogdon out of these three. So what are your thoughts? Man, I've flip-flopped on this. At first, I was leaning towards TJ Warren if he could continue to develop other parts of his game, like rebound the ball more. Uh, he's That's never, never going to be an happen. assist. It's, it, he's never going to be an assist guy. That's so, right. <laughs> so uh, I'm leaning towards Malcolm Brogdon. I just feel like if Brogdon was fully healthy, I don't think he would have still made the All-Star game, but I think he would have really raised a lot of questions of if he was one of the top snubs. Yeah. So I think that Brogdon right now, while his numbers are down shooting-wise, I mean he's shooting 10% less from three this year, which is pretty crazy, I think he will bounce back next year and have while I can't say that he's ever going to be a 50 40 90 guy in the role that he's in now I think that Brogdon is someone who can strongly be considered for an all-star game moving forward and if the Pacers continue to win games I I think that you have to put him in the running while guys like Kyle Lowry are getting older yeah you know so I I think Lowry's going to take a big step back next year, and I think Brogdon could take a big step forward. He already took a solid step forward this year. You know, he more than doubled his assist total, so that was awesome to see. It's just a matter of staying healthy and winning games. Pacers can win games, so you just got to stay healthy. Yeah, and I think, honestly, next year he'll be more of a beneficiary from Victor Oladipo being fully healthy because we know Victor can, you know, Run the we can run the offense through Vic, so Malcolm might get to be off ball a little bit more, and maybe those threes will come a little bit easier than the threes that he's attempting now, which could get those percentages up because obviously last year it was all Giannis kicking it out to him for the most part, but we know Malcolm can create too, so it's kind of one of those things where I feel like having a roster fully healthy, it's it's going to be tough to see anybody on this team consistently make all-star appearances. I mean, if Sabonis continues to put the numbers up that he's putting up, I mean, he could be the the likely all-star for the future. But I think you, you got to imagine Victor is going to win the all-star bid if he's having a good good year or, you know, a comparable year to the other guys on this team just because he's Victor Lodipo. He's the face of the franchise. So it's going to be tough for both of them while they're here. Personally, to me, unless the Pacers, you know, somehow get into a one or two seat of the 
um, Eastern Conference, but at the same time, there's a lot of good talent in the East. I mean, we talked about it earlier briefly. Bradley Beal, I mean, putting up ridiculous numbers doesn't make the All-Star game. So it's going to be tough for either of these guys to get in, but I just think the most likely has got to be Malcolm. So do I. I couldn't have said it better myself. And it is no, uh, it's not a shot at Miles Turner. It's just, it's not. It's bonus it's just already. Tough. <laughs> just with Sabonis putting up what he is, the only way I could see that changing is if the Pacers had a new coach and maybe Sabonis was dealt. Yeah, so it just that's, seems that's like. That's really the only scenario. Exactly. So no knock on Turner there. There are three guys that, in, in a different team situation, could very well be all stars. So it's a great luxury to have for these Indiana Pacers. All right, Fachi. So let's go ahead and decide do you want to pick best game of the season or best newcomer? Uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, best newcomer and i'm just i'm sticking to my guns with tj warren okay all right and for game of the season i'm gonna flip-flop here <laughs> it's not gonna be either of the two that we debated i actually i'm gonna go with the nuggets win uh in Denver. okay i i think that honestly just the importance of that game on the road making that a winning record on the road uh the, the comeback McDermott going off 9 of 10s, unbelievable. Sabonis first triple-double, just maybe a little bit more memorable. And unfortunately, <laughs> I I was really close. Raptors would be second for me in that one. So let's go through a quick we'll rundown all of the awards. So MVP of the midseason awards goes to DeMontis Sabonis. The best newcomer, TJ Warren. The most clutch, Malcolm Brogdon. The game of the season goes to the Pacers' fourth quarter comeback to beat the Nuggets in Denver on the road. Play of the season goes to Oladipo's game-tying three versus the Bulls. The funniest guy on the team award goes to Gogobataze. Best-dressed Victor Oladipo. Best Fox Sports moment was Vic's emotional return interview with Jeremiah Johnson. And most likely to make their first All-Star appearance goes to Malcolm Brogdon. All right, Fachi, I think that was pretty fun. I was. That was something very different today. I think it was nice to always have a little bit of debate on here. And we're lucky to be able to have so many fun moments uh, so far this year. But I think that the second half is going to be even more fun because this team's healthy now, Alex. And there's no telling what they can do. Yeah, it's really hard to call it a half, too, because we've already played two-thirds of our games. But (laughs) there's 27 games left. The Pacers have a pretty you know, reasonable schedule. I talked to Ken about it. I'm just curious as we close this out, Fachi. How many wins do the Pacers get? Man, coming into this season, I said just anything other than 48 because I'm tired of doing that. Didn't want to do it three times. I think that this team can still get to 50 wins. That's what Ken said. I said 48. I copped out. <laughs> oh, my God. Not well, 48. At this point, I'd settle for 49. I, I can't do 48 again. So if they get 48 wins, that means they'd go 16-11, and 11, which, you know, is above 500. But Kent said, no, if they win two of every three games, that would put them at, I believe, 18-9. and nine, So that would get them to 50. So mm-hmm. that's that's a fair idea. So anyway, I'm fine with either of it. Let us know what you guys thought of the awards. We'll put these out and a thread on setting the pace three where you guys can vote on what you guys think, and then we'll put our consistent our consensus list out. That's a that's a tough one right there to say, Foch, but uh, we'll put that list out after we've let the episode run for a few days and get your guys' thoughts on that. But any other thoughts, Foch, before we get out of here? Now I'm just ready to bring on some Pacer basketball. So, hey, let the All-Star break be done with, and let's get back to playing ball.
Friday night, 7.30, Pacers-Knicks. We got facts with Fachi on our Fachi Fridays, right? Of course. You know it. You never know if I'm going to hit you with a two-for-one special. You never know. All right. All right. Well, who's going to be getting the cold dish of revenge on that one, Fachi? Man, I don't know if we have any Knicks on uh, on this Pacers team. So it sounds like we're just going to have to go for an overall Doug revenge McDermott. game. To, uh, that's true. That's true. McBuckets did have a stint with the Knicks. So why not go off in that game? We got to <laughs> feed McBuckets and avenge a rough loss that happened recently. So can't be scored 85 points against the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Thank anymore. God Marcus Morris was dealt. So the Pacers might actually have a chance because, unfortunately, they have struggled with New York, even though they beat them by one uh, in New York where, like, nobody scored for the last three minutes. But anyway, Fachi, we've got to get off here. You guys can follow Fachi on Twitter at F-A-C-C-I. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. You can follow us on Twitter, like we mentioned, at Setting the Pace 3 Make sure you're checking out PacersTalk.net for all of our newest and latest articles. And if you're not already, head on over to Instagram and follow us at PacersTalk. And until next week, we'll talk to you later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com